0: If you're a pop culture junkie who loves TV, film, music, comedy, and other really important stuff, then you've come to the right place. Get ready and settle in for Classic Conversations, the best pop culture interviews in the world. That's right. We circled the globe so you don't have to. If you're ready to be the king of the water cooler, then you're ready for Classic Conversations with your host, Jeff Dwoskin.
1: All right, Melissa, you get the show going each and every week, and this week was no exception. Welcome, everybody, to episode 141 of Classic Conversations. Today's episode promises to be classic, classy, and classy. I don't have a third word. Our guest today is the incredible David Fishoff. David Fishoff is responsible for bringing the monkeys into my life in such a way that I have loved for the last 30 plus years. That's right. One of his claims to fame is putting together the 20th anniversary monkeys tour, which I saw at Pine Knob with Brian Rosenblatt and Jeffrey Zonder. But uh, we'll more about that in the interview. David Fishoff is also the creator of Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. That's right. Rock and roll fantasy camp. You know what that is. That's camp where you get to hang out with rock stars and jam. Coolest thing ever, right? And we talk a lot about Rock Camp the movie. They culled through terabytes and decades of hours upon millions of hours of rock and roll fantasy camp footage. Put together an awesome movie called Rock Camp. Talk a little bit about that. A fun movie, I encourage you to check it out after the interview. And that interview with David Fischoff is coming up in just a few minutes. As you're preparing your ears for this episode, I hope you also caught episode 140 earlier in the week. Jay Hogan, Emmy award-winning writer for Frasier, one of the first people on The Simpsons. That interview is just fun from start to finish. Don't miss it, Jay Hogan is awesome and that's available right now speaking of awesome picture if you will suddenly you get all these notifications on social media because pick cherries picked your podcast classic conversations as podcast of the week i know incredible so excited i've been sharing Pick cherries from their app the pick cherry app you should totally download it Search on Classic Conversations. You can pick a million cherries from my podcast. Share your favorite parts. Huge thank you. I'm honored to pick cherries for picking Classic Conversations as the podcast of the week. Quite an honor. Very cool. So check out their app as a thank you back from me, to them, from all of you. Thanks, everyone. Not sure it can get cooler than that, but... Oh, who is calling? I changed the number. It switched over to classic conversations. Changed the number. They told me no one had the super secret number. Hang on. Hello.
2: Hi, Jeff. Hi, Blanca. How how you doing? It's so nice to be back in your show. I know we both been so busy.
1: I know. I'm so excited, Blanca, Blanco. Everyone, you remember her from episode 106? What's going on? How's the book?
2: doing great so many people are being affected by it in a positive way and it's been selling and it's just doing really good and now i have something else i wanted to share with you guys
1: go ahead spill yeah. the beans. You tell, tell me all about it
2: yeah so i wanted to share that i i'm getting actually my first emmy consideration for my role in Tell Tale of tales i play lola and my category is outstanding best supporting actress in a drama series and it's my first one, so I'm super excited and to be on the ballot.
1: That is so exciting. So, how did you find out you were on the ballot?
2: The Television Academy. They notified me.
1: So, is this a phone call? Like, how'd you find out? Oh, like, does your jaw drop? Is it an email? Like, this is exciting, right? This is like a oh my god moment, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's an email. So, I got the email, and then they just said that uh, I am in the in this category. Congratulations, and. And it was like, oh my God, like it was surreal because you know, when you're an actor, you that that's a, the kind of stuff you want to hear, you know, that your work is at the level of the academy, you know? Yeah, that's Being it's so musician.
1: exciting. Wait, so Tale of Tales is on Tubi, right?
2: Yeah, oh yes.
1: Yeah, oh. <laughs> Tell everyone who hasn't discovered the show yet, like what is Tale of Tales? About.
2: So yeah, Tale of Tales is on Tubi and you can download it for free. It is a, a drama, action, thriller, mystery. It takes place in a nightclub and there's some a crime that is happening. And my character is has like the information to help solve the case. And so it is so many so many twists and betrayal, everything that you can think is so dramatic. <laughs> so it is um you know, the investigators are trying to solve the case to make sure that there's no other victims, you know, it's definitely like it, you see the whole series all at once because it's so intriguing.
1: Right. There's eight episodes of Tale yeah. of Tales. And then uh, I read that there's uh, season two around the corner.
2: Yeah. Season two is going to start this fall. And I'm
1: gonna be in it, so I'm excited. That's super exciting. This is all such great news. I'm so happy to hear about all this continued success. I hope you win your Emmy. That would be so exciting. I know you've yeah, won. You. I know you're no stranger to winning awards. You want, yeah. You know, <laughs> <but>, uh, <laughs> I'm sure having one of those Emmys would be uh, put it right there on the uh, bookshelf behind you. <laughs> yeah, I
2: need to start putting that in my i mean in my bookcases
1: <laughs> yeah i think the only one who doesn't want you to win an emmy is that plant behind you which is probably where that emmy's gonna go oh that plant's the only one voting uh, r- rooting against you <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. well this is exciting i can't thank you enough for taking even just a few minutes of your time to call into the show and let me know all the good stuff going on continued success with this and the book breaking the mold so great
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. I will see I will let you know when I have other new updates.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're always welcome. I'd love to have you back. It'd be awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my god, you never know who's gonna call into the show, huh? Blanca Blanco, star of Tale of Tales on Tubi. Also check out Blanca's book, Breaking the Mold. We talk all about it on episode one hundred and six. It's a great episode. The book is really inspirational. Her story will definitely inspire you so it's always exciting when amazing things happen to amazing people all right well i do want to take a quick second thank everyone for their support of the sponsors when you support the sponsors you're supporting us here at classic conversations and that's how we keep the lights on the interview sponsor for this episode is of course rock camp the movie which was born from all the footage taken during Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. David Fischoff's brainchild, which gives the public the experience of living life like a rock star. Rock Camp the movie showcases the life of some folks that participated in Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp and spotlights a lot of the cool rock and rollers that have been part of it. Alice Cooper, Robert Daltrey, Sammy Hagar, Nancy Wilson, Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, and so many more. You're going to love this movie. More information on where you can find it during the interview and after the interview, I'll recap some. Also, look for a link in the show notes. So cool. You're going to love it. Super fun. You know what else is super fun? My conversation with David Fischoff. It's coming up right now. You're going to learn all about how he created the Monkees tour, the Ringo All-Star Band tour, Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, the Dirty Dancing Tour. This man is at Tour de Force of Musical Goodness. All right, you've waited long enough. Please enjoy my conversation with David Fischoff. All right, everyone. I'm excited to introduce my next guest, music producer, sports agent, founder of Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, cue the air guitar as we welcome David Fishoff to the program. David, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you, Jeff. So glad to be here. What a pleasure. What an honor.
1: Oh, it's an honor for me to have you here. I'm so excited to talk about the awesome Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp movie, the actual camp, everything. I'm fascinated, like, how did you get started just being an agent and repping and kind of getting into this business? Because it's it's unique. It wasn't your background.
3: It wasn't my background. I don't think anyone's background of being an agent today, you know, is, is anyone's background. It's It's you meet the clients and you become an agent. But I started the Catskills, really. And that's you know, the they call it the Jewish Alps. You know, it never snows up there. It's just sour cream on the on the mountains. <laughs> it was a place where a start for so many comedians, managers, artists, talent. It's a place in the in the Catskill Mountains in New York where there were a hundred hotels in the 60s and the 50s and the 60s. And these hotels had to provide, they, they provided three incredible meals and then. At uh, 1030 at night, they gave a show every night, a comedian, a singer, and someone had to book them. And that's how I started being an agent. Someone had to entertain these people. And it was hard to entertain these people because they were fully stuffed. You know, they had so much food in them that they would look up at the comedian and say, okay, I dare you to entertain me. I dare you to make me laugh because if you make me laugh, I'm going to give you back all those three meals. <laughs> so, so that was really the stomping ground, the Catskills. And the more and more I'm doing interviews on this, on the film, on Rock Camp, and I'm seeing that the Catskills had such an effect on my life. From we're packaging shows, you know, up there they would go to a comedian like Henny Youngman or Roddy Dangerfield, and they would go to Rodney and say, "Hey, Rodney, we'll give you 50 shows, and we're going to book you at either at a resort." Well, you'll open for Tom Jones, or we'll book you at a little bungalow colony, or we'll book you at a bar mitzvah, or we'll book you at a beach club. But you'll get guaranteed fifty shows over the summer from Memorial Day to Labor Day. Well, that's exactly what I did when I started putting together these these concert tours. I would go to these artists, I guarantee them X amount of you know dollars a week, and that's how I package my my tours.
1: So, one of the tours that you put together, which I'll say changed my life, no, I like, like, tapped into like is the Monkees tour. The 20th anniversary Monkeys Tour. I've seen the 20th anniversary, the 30th. I'm not sure they did a 40th, but I saw the 50th and I saw Mike and Mickey together. Wow. And I've seen Mike Nesmith solo. And I've met Mickey Dolan's and Mike Nesmith at a Comic Con. I love the Monkeys. The 20th anniversary concert that you put together, which I want to hear how you kind of did it with Gary Puckett Shit. and Herman Hermits and the Grassroots, was the first concert I ever saw without my parents. Now, with all due respect to Barry Manilow, that was my literal first concert. (laughs) But without, with my friends, Brian and Jeff, we talk about it all the time. The very first concert I ever saw was a 20th anniversary. At Pine Knob? At Pine Knob, yeah.
3: Sure, I remember that show, I remember both those shows. Well, you know, what happened was that prior to that, um, in 84 and 85, I was producing these oldies uh, tours, Happy Together tours. I created this concept where I would put four bands on a package. The Turtles, the Grassroots, and Banking Our Gang, and the Association. Uh, a year later, I did it with the Turtles, and the Birds, and the Buckinghams. And I would put these packages together, and I would sell them to places like Pine Knob and Papa Creek. These were these amphitheaters owned by the Nederland organization. And they would sell beautifully, you know, four or 5,000 seats under, the, under the, the rooftop covering. And they were part of packages that they did. And in 1986, in 85, I was touring with one of these shows, and I was stuck in Kansas City, and the hotel owner gave me, because I took 50 rooms for the Happy Together Tour, he, he thought was thought he was going to be nice to give me the suite and the rooftop of the Holiday Inn in Kansas City. While you think it's a nice thing, if you're a single guy in a room, take the whole suite, you couldn't sleep all night. It was just so big. <laughs> and at two o'clock in the morning, I put on it, the TV and I saw the Monkeys. And I said, Wow, I remember the Monkeys from 20 years ago. And I said, They would be great for one of my shows. It was on like two o'clock on syndicated. So I went after, I went to find out who owns the name because I knew they weren't an original band. They were just a TV band and it was owned by Columbia Pictures. So I approached Columbia. I bought the name, The Monkeys. I had met Peter Tork the summer beforehand. And I asked Peter, would you like to, you know, can we put the band together? And he says, Well, I'm in. I came to one of my shows. He said, I'll take it in England to meet Mickey and Davy. And uh went to meet Mickey and Davy separately. They they were they lived on the other side of the country. They hadn't spoken. They each wanted their individual deals. So that's when I came up with the, the idea to put them out there. And then I was gonna put the, I created a horn section to, to add to the show because I'm crazy about horns. They I got package them with Gary Puckett and the Herman Hermits. And the grassroots now. Unbeknownst to me, I'm on the seventh floor of 1775 Broadway. On the eighth and ninth floor is a new fledging network called MTV. I'm going up and down the elevators with the Bob Pitt who ran the ran the network and Tom Preston. And you know, I was a sports agent represented ball players. And in those days, when the Giants lost, people would look at me in the street, ah, the, the Giants lost. And you have you know Phil Sims and you had a lot of the players. So I I, um, found out that MTV decided they're going to air 24 hours of monkeys because the monkeys were the first, they were basically the first band,
1: video band. So I ran upstairs. Mike Nesmith basically invented the whole concept.
3: Yeah. Nesmith, yeah, he gets credit. And I ran upstairs and Bob Pittman said, sit down, kid. He said, "Uh, I'll make a deal with you. You promote my um, new fledgling network MTV and all your ads. With the monkeys live tour, you're doing, and I'll promote it on on television that you're doing a live tour. Well, let me tell you something. That was unbelievable because I went on sale in Poplar Creek in Chicago, Pine Knob, and I thought I was going to sell two, three thousand seats the first day. We sold out fifteen thousand tickets in Poplar Creek and Pine Knob, and then they they asked, "Can we do another show?" I said, "Sure," and we had another show. We sold thirty thousand tickets in Michigan where you went, and. It was all these little girls came running home in the morning and the mother said, where were you all night? Oh, mommy, I went to buy monkey tickets. Well, I want to go. And then, you know, then everybody else in the family said we want to go also people didn't realize that it was a 20 year old band. They thought it was a new band on
1: MTV. So at this point, this is 15, 16 year old Jeff at this moment, while you're making yeah. this magic MTV, I remember specifically, sitting there with my VHS tapes, recording every episode of The Monkeys, (laughs) swapping it out. I must have been on, because like you said, it was like, it was just nonstop, right? I must have had tape after tape. 24 hours. Tape after tape after tape. I I probably missed the the nighttime ones, but I remember I had them all on VHS. I don't even know if I ever watched them, but I mean, I watched it, but I don't know if I rewatched it. It was, I was obsessed. It was like, Fifteen year, sixteen year old Jeff, thanks you so much.
3: <laughs> it was amazing. You gotta give you have to give Bob Rafelson credit and Bert Schneider. They really created a show. That not only you, we all were. I was addicted to it when it first came out. I'd run home from school, and I remember watching the monkeys. My parents wouldn't let me watch anything else. They gave me permission to watch. They were so much fun, and I just loved the way everybody identified with who their favorite monkey was. And even when I was single, I'd go on a date with a girl, and I'd say, "Who's your favorite monkey?" And you know, if she said Davy, I stayed. If it was Mickey, I stayed. If it was Mike or Pete, I left. (laughs) No, it was just—it was just amazing how. But the show was, the, and they got it. The music was incredible. I mean, to see Carol King honored at the Rockwell Hall of Fame. And, you know, she wrote Pleasant Valley Sunday. These guys were geniuses, the guys who created it. And then you also have to give credit to, you know, the gentleman who, um, who got all the music together. He had the Midnight Hour. What was his name? Ricky, his son Ricky's a big, big producer, but yeah, who, who did all the music? Um, you know anyways he picked the best songs and the best songwriters and it was it was unbelievable the music was
1: amazing oh i still i still listen to the monkeys today it makes you happy it's incredible i have uh on vinyl i collected on vinyl i bought the mike and mickey show they from the version of the tour they did a couple of years ago pre pandemic i have the that 2lp love it love it love it just love it i have a signed copy of headquarters by mike and mickey this is funny i saw davy jones perform in pontiac michigan they were doing a brady bunch revival where they it was like before the movie the the parody movie came out they did it that style and they did the davy jones episode and davy jones was there playing davy jones went to the saw mike nesmith solo at uh Place called the Magic Band. You know,
3: I tell you, the, the thing it did bother me as a fan of Davey, because Davy really was—he was, he really was my favorite. And, you know, we were very close. Uh, he came to visit me two weeks before he passed away, bring me these books that to my—I have younger kids now. And you know, it, it was sad. it's sad to see a band out there touring as the Monkees and without Davy Jones. It's like you know, just imagine Emma Aerosmith going out there or, or or any of these bands going out without the lead singer. But uh, you know, that, that's the only thing that bothered me. But then I, I got past that and I said, you know what? If the fans want to hear these songs and it makes them happy, why not? You know, there's so many cover bands out there. Go see the real the real guys.
1: I hear what you're saying, hundred percent, and I I don't disagree, but I think they do. This show they call The Monkeys Present Mike and Mickey. I think right. so that and having like been, that better. Having been having been to the show, they honor Davy Jones. It was great. Yeah uh, with David he and really Brady. he
3: really gets. He really yeah. deserves to be honored. It's amazing how Nesmith decided he was gonna tour finally after Davy died, you know. So
1: I can imagine that he figured he could get a little bit of the Little more spotlight, or a little more, a little more spotlight because I didn't, a approach few more songs him. in,
3: you know. I think he's upset at me because I didn't approach him to do the, the 20th anniversary tour because everyone said to me he'll never do it, you know, because uh, you know, his mother invented liquid paper, he doesn't need the money, so I never even approached him. And uh, he did show up to the Greek theater one night, but I, I know he's um. And he probably is upset that I didn't approach him because then he because he had no one to say no to. I'm
1: gonna ask why about Michael Nesmith not being part of that tour because I, I didn't
3: invite him. I didn't even think to invite him. I was a big Mickey. Once I had Mickey and Davey, I was happy. And then Peter, yes, but I don't. I don't know why. I didn't even think of him. I just didn't think of him. I didn't think to invite him because everyone told me he would never do it. So why get rejected?
1: And the other guys, they weren't like maybe we should give uh, Mike a call. No, each guy was individual. note.
3: No, it wasn't like that at all. It wasn't like that at all. You know, they were all, don't you have to understand that they were a made up for TV band. They were actors. So, you know, it's almost like friends, you know, you have to negotiate with each, each of them to get the, to get the reunion together. It was just, it was different.
1: The 50th anniversary tour that I saw was with Mike. That was right after Davey had died and then he came back. So it was the three of them. And then, um, then when peter died i almost i really wanted to meet peter once i was supposed to at a comic-con but we couldn't get near it it was peter torque norman reedus from the walking dead and stan lee at the same comic-con couldn't even get near it so i had to bail i was so i was so upset because I
3: really why he it was so packed
1: it was so packed we could it took us five hours to even get near it and then we kind of just said all right we got we, <laughs> we got around leave.
3: peter torque that's great I, good it was, for him
1: it was great he was a
3: very sweet guy very very sweet guy
1: yeah, I had a friend who had met him and said he was just the greatest guy. As well. Yeah, very,
3: very sincere.
1: All right. Well, thank you. I love the fact that I'm able to meet you. And I guess, thank you. That was really, I mean, it was great for a lot of people, but. Great
3: part of your life. Yeah, no, part of everyone's life. It was great. It was great to be part of it. It changed my life too, by the way. It was just incredible. Was 30 years old. Uh, I didn't realize how big this thing was going to get. And it, it, was, it was the biggest thing I ever did at, the, at that time. Probably one of the biggest things I've ever done. Uh, It just went like went went over my head because it was so enormous. I was very fortunate that the drummer who passed away, Eddie Zion, he filmed the entire tour from his video camera. And uh, he shared me with the, the videos years later. So I was able to watch it and get good memories.
1: Oh, that's so cool. The other memory I have attached to it is the Pine Knob was like the summer... And then they, that tour came back and played, I think it was the Silver Dome. I think it was the It was an indoor. Yes.
3: Yeah, we played stadium. We played the Palace Arena. We played a lot of, it was unbelievable. We played stadiums, played arenas. And you know, it's so funny. As crazy as last night, i get a text at like four in the morning so i was watching the the monkeys on uh, on youtube the that
1: 86 tour at the greek theater and they just sent it to me
3: boy I, boy you look better today than you did that you know so it, it's it's every day of my life is the monkeys
1: that's awesome yeah that's the one where mike does show up and they do listen to yes. the band and i was gonna say when they did this the Silverdome tour i went on a date because i could drive and i brought uh, it was me and stephanie and the thing i remember besides loving the concert because we were both obsessed with the monkeys but this is pre-gps not knowing how to get home and like taking like <laughs> a 30 minute drive home. You know, like after a concert, they close every road. <laughs> yeah. Free GPS. That that was a nightmare for a kid just learning to drive. And,
3: and you know, you know what's crazy about the monkeys that I've never seen at any other show I've ever produced? The screaming, the noise. I mean, I've done Ringo, the all-stars, did a Beatle, did Dirty Dirty Dancing, also screaming too. But the screaming at the monkeys, I you know, to this day, probably have hearing issues on that. I never saw so much screaming. It it was huge. It was so big and I didn't realize how much security we needed. It was like the olden days what it was in the in the 60s.
1: The Monkees definitely one of my favorite bands and they all, they still sound great and when I see them and
3: Yeah, Mickey's an amazing singer, you know. People didn't realize but he really was the lead singer as much as Davy Jones. It was really the voice of Mickey that does all the big hits.
1: I think Mickey, you could, like, that. Mickey's, like, a pretty solid voice when you think of the 60s, like, I think. Oh, yeah. It's his, his voice.
3: voice he, that, he still kept keeps it up. He's done Broadway. Mickey's a very talented, you know, television. He's a director. He's, I give him a lot of credit.
1: So then you moved on to Ringo Starr, and you created the All-Star Band. Prior
3: to that, I did Dirty Dancing. Oh,
1: Dirty Dancing was prior? Yeah, All I right. did that
3: prior. I, you know, I, I saw the movie. I said, boy, this would be a great live show starting the cat school so i loved it so that's when i did the the dirty dancing tour and i had a corporate sponsor all my tours and that one was mountain dew and they sponsored it and the president of pepsi approached me after that tour and he said yeah this is amazing can you create something new for us and that's when i came up with the idea to do ringo's all- all-star band did that for 15 years that was amazing too it played also played pie knob all the time i remember being there with jack bruce and peter frampton and by the way, Detroit is the, one of the best cities to do a concert. The audiences are so supportive of these artists, whether it's Kiss, whether it's Grand Funk. They are such a great music town that every artist would love to you know, come to Detroit because they knew the audience was really going to be incredible.
1: We do love our music. We do love
3: your music. Yeah,
1: we're big fans. So you approach Ringo Starr. So what was it like just kind of? Saying hey, uh, hey, X
3: No, I, I I wrote him a letter and I uh, had an offer from Pepsi. Wrote him a letter and uh, to his lawyer, and I tracked it down through Capitol records. and And about four months later, I got a response that uh, come see uh, Ringo and check you out. And they had seen what I did with the monkeys. They saw what I did with Dirty Dancing. You know, they were able to check me out, and I, I got invited to see him and I pitched him the idea about doing an all star band concert and around him. Because, you know, a little help of my friends and my brother was a drummer and I was, you know, my brother was the, usually, he was the big fan. He's the one who watched him on Ed Sullivan and said, wow, I'm going to play drums for the rest of my life. And he still is playing drums because of Ringo. I approached him. I went to England. I pitched him on the idea. And, and he said, I was thinking the same thing. And, it, and he, you know, and together we put together this band. He basically grabbed his friends, Le'Von Helm and Joe Walsh. He put together amazing guys. I, I, I went after Billy Preston and, and you know, different people I went after. But he,
1: Clarence Clemens was there. Clarence was one of my ideas. and Dr. John.
3: But, you know, Ringo, it was easy. It was easy. You know, everybody wanted to play with Ringo, like Joe Walsh said. You know, it's a democratic band, whatever Ringo says we do. <laughs> They're brother-in-laws, aren't they? They're brother-in-laws today, yeah. And it's it's amazing that um, the music that and how much love they have for him, you know, just to play with them. It, it wasn't hard to find musicians over 15 years that I did the tour. You know, you, hey, you want to play with Ringo? You want to go on tour? And, you know, it was, it was yeah, I'm doing that. And, and for anyone who went on this tour, as any of those musicians, it was a great experience. I remember Mark Farner came out on one and John Entwistle and, Felix Cavallari, We're put together some great, great bands, and uh, I did that for fifteen years, and it was quite successful. And then, as you see, they played a joke on me at the first tour. It's in the in the movie, and Joe Walsh and Levon Hell.
1: Yes, very cruel, very cruel, very cruel, <laughs> very cruel.
3: And you have to watch the movie to get it. That's when I created the, came with the idea on the Ringo tour. I said, Boy, if I could give this to a fan, if they could get the the, the opportunity to to you know travel and you know be with these great musicians you know, let's create a rock and roll fantasy camp. And that's how I created the rock and roll fantasy camp.
1: That's so cool. How did, who were the first... Like rock stars that you convinced to go there. More importantly, how did you convince them to hang with normal folks?
3: <laughs> well, that, that's a that's a great question, Jeff. You know, it was it, because back when I started this thing 26 years ago, no one ever did a meet and greet. No one met these people. You know, every rock star ran out the back door, and they were in their limos, and they were gone. So it was hard to get. Then you have to ask these people to jam with them. So I, I really went to all everybody I met on the Ringo tour. I went to Nils Lofgren. I went to Clarence. I went to Phil's Cavalieri. I went to Luke Graham and everybody, anybody I knew. And I said, would you do this idea? Even Mike Love of the Beach Boys said, hey, I'll come And You know, it was something crazy. I already created a lot of stuff. So I pulled my friends together. Did the first one in Florida. It was a disaster at the Eden Rock Hotel because I couldn't convince people to come. They didn't believe it. But I did get 40 members of the media. They showed up. People Magazine and VH1 and Time Magazine, Newsweek. Wow, Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. So I had about 20 campers that signed up, and I had 40 people of the media. The second night, I'm walking through the hotel, and I've been with Bob Spitz. He's one of the big writers, and he just wrote a book on Led Zeppelin. It's really amazing. I'm reading it now. He called me always, fish Fishoff, get over here. And I walked to the lobby, and all these 40 media guys are talking around in circles, and they said, you know, we were going to kill you, but this thing is fun. Everyone's having an amazing time. The Rockers and Mills is teaching. He says, and they all wrote amazing stories. But I can never do it again. I lost so much money. So I, I stopped it. And then one day I'm at the Polestar Awards. That's the Amer- that's our, um like in my industry, the music awards. And they're playing a game, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, with Tommy Lee, Tommy Shaw, and Sammy Hager. And one of the questions they ask, who created rock and roll fans scam? David Bowie, David Byrne, David Fisha. And I said, "Wow, these guys remember." And Sammy Hagar said, "David Fisher." That's when I decided I'm going to do it again. And I did it again. Folks of VH1 Classic back then they came to help. Uh, I went to Brett Michaels. I went to George Thorogood. I just went to everybody who I, I knew and just took a shot. And you know, I got turned down by a lot of people, but the ones who helped me out in the beginning, they you know, it was great, and they realized how much fun it was to them. And then I went to England to approach Roger Daltrey. I said, "If I can get Roger Daltrey," That would be incredible and i went to him and uh, approached him and and basically he didn't understand the word camp you know it's not like here in america we go to camp and he thought it was campy campy you know so i said to him let me ask you make it real simple if you had someone that you could jam with and you can meet who would you want to do he said "Levon on helm he says you would just to leave on helm i'll do your camp and i gotta tell you something i that was in the that was like it was in the pocket levon had done my ringo tour and we were very close. And so I said to Roger, I said, you know, Levon's not doing, he's not in too well shape financially, health-wise. He said, what are you going to give me? Give it to him. I want to meet him. And I set that up. And uh, Levon said, I'll be glad to help you. And And he came down to meet Roger. And once Roger Dolce did Rock Roll Fantasy Camp, it made it. It was, you know, all the papers blew up.
1: That's so cool. So what do you think makes it so successful and in the, in the star and the rock stars feel so good about it and talk so so well about it. My guess would be, and then you can tell. I shouldn't guess, but like I should let you answer. But my guess would be is once they, everything kind of normalizes, where the, it's not a uh, fan server. it's not like right, it's
3: so not a beaten great, right. It's all about the music. It reminds all of them what it was like when they first started. I mean, when Gene Simmons said to me one day, I wish they had this 40 years ago when I first started. You know, you see a guy like Jerry Cantrell show up to sit down and have have lunch with these people. And they were all these musicians. You know, none of these people are. They all had a, a choice to make in life. They went to high school. They went to college. Or some didn't go to college. And they had a choice go get a regular job or become a rock star and be their authentic self. And the, and all these campers that come, they wanted to be in a band, and but they had to go get real jobs. And these rockers went and they, they they went with their gut. And they weren't going after the money. They were going after their art and to be their authentic self and to express themselves. So I think when they see these successful people, and they themselves, it reminds them what it was like when they first started. And that's really what's kept the camp going for 26 years. The fact that these people have come back. Jerry Cancello in his third time and Joe Perry in his seventh time and Roger Dolce eighth time. I think they realize that they really enjoy meeting these people and they realize that they're changing these people's lives. But they're getting something out of it also.
1: That's really cool. Can you think of I know you spotlight certain people and stuff in the movie and all that kind of stuff. Do you do you record all the jam sessions that go? I mean, I re-
3: record everything. We had to go through 90 terabytes of film. The, the gentleman who directed the film and produced it, Doug Blush, he's from Michigan. Nice. Big, huge Detroit fan. And, you know, he's been associated with the three Oscars and three films that went 20 feet from stardom and, you know, it was one of his. And we record them all. And, you know, I had I went through many editors People had to go through all the footage and see it, and yeah, you know, it was a lot of work. It took five years to put that film together.
1: Five years, wow! Well, I can five imagine years. twenty-six years. Would you? you Whatever, know, oh, five right. six thousand people have come through the camp.
3: Yeah, and and and, this, and find the right stories, and and the key to these things is to keep it down to eighty minutes. You know, and how do you show twenty-five years in eighty minutes? So it was really hard. The hardest thing that I had to do was make a film. A tour is easy. You had to make a film.
1: <laughs> it's a fun film. It's it's cool oh, to watch, you. like Alice Cooper and all those folks just talk about what a rewarding experience it is.
3: It really is. It's really rewarding, and everyone that comes, you know, the biggest problem you have in, in running these camps is the fear factor. You know, people are scared. I'm going to jam with my hero, Jeff Beck, and. And they don't realize that once they come, these rock stars are there to help them. All oh, about you, the camper.
1: Got it. A lot of sex and going on. No kidding.
3: <laughs> yeah, Viagra. You know, <laughs> sex and drugs. Yeah, no. I tell you, it's so funny. Playboy magazine did a story. What did they say? That yeah, you stand three feet from a rock star. There's no sex. There's no drugs. But you stand three feet from a rock star. So that was good <laughs> enough for me. Yeah, when I started touring. And, you know, when these artists, you gotta understand I'm fifteen years younger than them. They're all I mean, anyone that does my camp or anyone I've toured with, they're usually very clean. They, you know, I, I miss that whole generation. I'm the later generation when they all became when they all did a program, when they all did a program, where they did something to change your life and realize I better
1: change my life or I'm not gonna live. <laughs> right. It gets serious at some point. They gotta yeah. Gotta get serious. Do you have a few people that did the camp where you like kind of put the phone down you're like holy shit they said yes yeah it happens all the time <laughs> like, I mean once you got past Robert Daughtry I mean
3: <laughs> oh yeah meatloaf I remember being in Israel and I got a phone call from his manager and I'm at the wailing wall and I said wow meatloaf and Jeff Beck and and Brian Wilson and Jerry Cantrell and oh god even now I get so excited when Melissa Etheridge Oh, Kim Thales doing it from Soundgarden. I had that camp coming up. The Scorpions, my favorite band. They're doing a camp for me. I mean, you know, if you go to rockcamp.com, you'll see all these upcoming camps. And yes, whenever I get any of those headliners, I get very excited. My wife says to me, boy, your life changes. You, You become so happy. I am. I get happy because it validates that they're interested in doing the idea and they, they like my concept and they're going to come and do the camp. So, you know, and and they're going to change people's lives. I know it. I know for a fact, I've seen it. While you only see four people in the film, there's over a thousand stories we could tell that have gone through the rock camp and have their
1: lives changed. Is there instances of people just joining one of the bands, like one of the Someone going, I yeah, this this guy's got skills. He's coming.
3: Well, you know what? We we haven't had that where someone joins the actual band, but I've had, you know, actual campus open for some of the rockers. That's great. I never promised that, but they've had some great success writing songs, putting out albums, doing tribute bands. If you go listen, Tony Robbins said it best. If you immerse yourself for four days, five days into something that you love, you're gonna get good at it. And people come to rock camp, they decide, you know what? I've done everything. I'm a musician. I'm a musician. Period. Joe Perry once said to somebody, he says, What do you do for a living? The guy says, Oh, I'm a guitar, I'm a lawyer. On weekends I play guitar. And Joe turned to me and says, You're full of crap. He says, You're a musician first. You're a guitarist first. You do that the legal stuff to pay for your, your guitars. The guy said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me. That's me. These people who come to camp, you know, they were in a band or they want to be in a band or they want to be a musician or and they immerse themselves in it. And once they get into it, they they join other bands. They become a band. They find real true happiness. I will have to say one thing: rock and roll fans can has changed so many people's lives because it's that's what it is. It's it's more of a it's a life changing experience than it is anything else.
1: It's incredible. I, I loved a part of the movie where, where I talked about just how it seeps into popular culture, like it's been on The Simpsons,
3: The Simpsons, The Bones, the Ellen. I mean, you know. Pawn Stars. I mean, it's just been unbelievable. And, and that's unsolicited. They just think it's a cool idea. I mean, to me, The Simpsons, when I, we interviewed the producers, of Simpsons. They were listening to Howard Stern talk about it with Leslie West. And they said, you know, that'd make a great episode. And then a day later, The Stones called and said, you know, we're going on tour. We're looking to do an episode. And they said, would you do a rock and roll fantasy game? And then Keith Richards posted it, the anniversary of, of the episode. So it, it's, you know, and, and I remember Tom Petty's Families told him that they were so excited that he did the Simpsons episode of Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. So, you know, they thought he said, Tom Petty said to the producers, my kids finally think I'm cool. So,
1: <laughs> That's a great episode, though. They yeah. they play that on the, the Tom Petty channel all the time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, he thought
3: it was really cool.
1: Well, I mean, to be in the Simpsons. Right. You made it. It was great. It
3: helped our business. Right. It made it. Right. It helped our business.
1: Well, anytime something just kind of, I, I think that's how you know you made it right when you like when people just start talking about you. Yeah. I mean, that's
3: you're right. You're, you're right. Or there, there was that commercial that appeared at Citibank. You know, they called me up and said, we want to do a commercial. And I said, wow, it's really cool. And, and they ran that. So, you yeah, know, it's, it's been a long journey, been a hard business because, you know, it's not unlike where you can extend the fence or, extend, you know, do another week of shows. You know, we're limited to one bass player, a band, one keyboard player, a band, one drummer, a band. So, you know, as you see these rock stars say, it's the hardest thing they have to do. It is a lot of hard work. In the end, it's satisfying.
1: It's great. I love the segment where they're coming up with band names.
3: Oh, names are so funny. Yeah, I, that's one of my favorite. Where you get a chance to come up with a name of a band and by the way, they, and they stick with those bands. They still, you know, they're, they're friends. And some of them are from the dirtiest to the cleanest.
1: <laughs> Motley Jew was one of my favorite ones.
3: Motley Jew, very funny. MGM Grandfathers. I mean, Viagra Falls. I mean, there's some some of them. Are fun.
1: Have you ever gotten any of the monkeys or Ringo to come do rock and roll fans? So
3: Mickey Dolenz came to camp. Came and uh, he, I brought him in to surprise everybody. I never did a monkeys camp. Just because I was so associated with him, and I would, but Mickey came by the camp. He's been a great friend and really gave me some great ideas. Never got Ringo to do it. It was, um, but Mickey came. Uh, Davey was going to come, but then he passed away. We had scheduled a day. Peter did camp. Yeah, Peter did camp. Peter was the counselor camp.
1: Nice. Can't get Joe Walsh to convince Ringo. Maybe they could do it together. They could wait. Yeah, <laughs> they like to hang out. They like to hang Joe out. Did, Joe
3: did camp. Yeah, Joe yeah. did camp, and probably have a hundred drummers and no guitar players if I had uh,
1: Ringo. So, <laughs> well you can dream you maybe just uh you can make Ringo jealous and try and get Paul McCartney
3: my dream everyone asks me who I want I love I don't need to make Ringo jealous he's not jealous of anybody but oh, I, was I was kidding McCartney would be you know McCartney would be my my dream
1: oh, okay so I accidentally stepped on the answer to, to that question then who, yeah. who would
3: you want to get <laughs> yeah yeah McCartney see how in tune we are <laughs> we're so in tune you're absolutely right <laughs> Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. Hey,
1: hey. <laughs> People say we monkey around. What, all right. Which
3: is your favorite monkey song?
1: That's a great question. It's funny. I i love I'm a Believer, which I know is such a. Oh, such
3: a. My favorite. But I, I love Neil, all the Neil, Neil Diamond.
1: Diamond ones. I like all the Neil Diamond ones. I know Davey sang a bunch of those.
3: Mickey's saying I'm a Believer at my wedding.
1: Mickey's saying I'm a Believer <laughs> at your wedding. That's. Yeah. Oh, that is. That's a cool story. Oh, wow. That is really nice. That is so cool. I, my wife isn't as big a monkey fan as I am. It's, it's causes such strife in our relationship. For, for the 50th anniversary, I'm like, I'm a big boy now. I'm going to buy really good tickets. So I had like third seat to the 50th anniversary. I we took my wife and at the end of it, I turned to her, I go, that was like the greatest thing I've ever experienced in my life. And she's like, really? <laughs> she goes, you knew those songs? I'm like, you didn't? I'm like, how are we even married? I was just <laughs>
3: I'm actually Duran Duran groupie. So I had to sit through Duran Duran show on Broadway once. And I didn't know any of the songs. So I get it. You know, you have to be into the
1: band. Right. It's hard. But I thought everyone yeah. I thought everyone loved the Monkees. I remember wanting to see Mike Nesmith. He was coming and doing a solo tour. And I remember, <laughs> I remember, like, I was somewhere and no one would go with me. No one would go with me. And then I just heard somebody say, Monkees, Mike Nesmith. And I walk over, I go, did you just say Mike Nesmith? Mike Nesmith. I don't even know who this person is. I just know we have mutual friends. He goes, yes. He goes, no one will go to the concert with me. <laughs> 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 we went to the concert together. I don't think I've seen well, him. I never saw him again. But that the monkeys just brings people together left and right. All right, so Paul McCartney, is, who would be who would be if you never could get Paul McCartney?
3: I mean, you know, Mick and Keith, they did the that episode. That was the best. You know, Jimmy Page would be another great one. But you know what? I'm really open to any musician who really wants to share and and teach and mentor. I'm open for anybody. So, yeah, no, I I love it. I love it. And it's really exciting every day to come up with a new idea, create a new concept, and probably the best job in the world for me to run Rock and Roll Fans Camp.
1: It's so amazing. What's next? Is it just more camps or do you have- More camps. Well, we're working on a TV
3: series now with Fox and kind of come up with an idea for a series, do more camps moving into casinos. Yeah, I'm constantly trying to find new ways to build it.
1: Where can people see the movie?
3: So the movie is at, it's on Amazon Prime and also Apple. But, and you can also see it on DirecTV free if you're on the 4K channel, which should be really cool. They, but they can go to rockcampthemovie.com and they can see it for only $2.99. That's the cheapest place to see it. rockcampthemovie.com Dot .com
1: it's it's a really fun movie, everyone. Yeah, I, I watched yeah, Jimmy it. Jimmy
3: Fallon, Fallon loved it. You yeah, know, it's it, You know what I love about the film? It, it's not like a behind the music. You know, behind the music was band makes it big, band loses all their money, band makes it big again, and now I just put in the name of the band: Beatles, Stone, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, Duran Duran. You know, and this is a movie that takes you from the beginning. It's slow, and then at the end, you really walk away with with emotional feeling. And I'm hoping that people will it will resonate with anybody who wants to do. A new idea. Yeah, you're doing a podcast. You know, people shouldn't be scared to go out and create new concepts. These people do it with music, but you can do it with anything. So to me, I want people to be motivated by it, not to be afraid.
1: It's definitely inspirational. There's some really great threads that you follow of people that are at the camp and just how their lives kind of evolved. It's great hearing from like Alice Cooper and all those folks, you know, just hearing amazing, it. It's amazing, right?
3: To see, to see Gene Simmons and Alice and see everybody that's really, you know, comes down to earth.
1: Yeah. Paul Stanley.
3: Paul Stanley's amazing. Yeah. So cool.
1: Is there any other places that like, people can keep up with you on the social media? Uh,
3: yeah. Yeah. The best thing is rockcamp.com and get on our newsletter, come out with a newsletter every week. We announce new camps. Of course, I'm on Instagram. and But the best thing is the newsletter because I really focus on that, what I want to share with people and, and then they can write back those.
1: Very cool. So hopefully
3: we'll, we'll we'll get to Michigan soon. You'll come out to see the camp.
1: That'd be great. We'll get
3: to the Motor, Motor City Casino. I'm hoping we'll get there one day.
1: That would be amazing.
3: Yeah, thank you. I just wish thank I had so any much. musical
1: talent at all. <laughs> thank you yeah. so much. I loved Neither all this Neither do stories.
3: I. I can't play an instrument.
1: <laughs> I can be the manager. Do you have a manager role? <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> you can create the logos. Thank you so much. Okay, you're so welcome. All the best. All the best. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: All right. How awesome was that conversation? I, it's You see all these things existing in the world, the Ringo All-Star Band, the Monkees Tour, Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. You never stop to think who created all this, who brought this into our lives. I know. There we are. So I kept saying during the interview that I saw the Monkees at the Silver Dome and I actually saw them at the Palace of Auburn Hills. The second time, first time was Pine Knob. But just to self-correct myself, I was at the Palace of Auburn Hills with Stephanie Wolf, and we saw it and got lost on the way home. Anywho, so, all right, so that's <laughs> that's that. I'm a huge Monkees fan. I really, really, really love the Monkees. Hopefully that came through. Anyway, so that was super fun. Well, you know what else is super fun? When the interview's over, we do a trending hashtag from the family of hashtags at hashtag roundup. Download the free, always free, doesn't cost a penny app from the iTunes App Store or Google Play Store. Download the app. Get notified every time a hashtag game starts. Tweet along with us. And one day, one of your tweets may show up on a future episode of Classic Conversations. Fame and fortune await you. Follow us at hashtag roundup on Twitter for all the goodness. Join the community. It's a lot of fun. If you're thinking of getting into Twitter, this is the way to do it. All right, this episode's hashtag. Hashtag beachy songs and bands by hashtag tavern. Mashup beaches and songs and bands. I figure, hey, rock and roll episode. We got to mix up something with songs and bands. And I picked beaches. I don't know why. I just did. Here we are. Hashtag tavern. Always bringing the good games weekly on the hashtag roundup. All right, so let's let's dive into this ultimate mashup of beach things. Songs and bands. Mash them all together. You get hashtag beachy songs and bands. Hilarity ensues. Here we go. Sweet dreams are made of these. Oh, I forgot. I always go into singing by accident. Hashtag beachy songs and bands. How can't I? Anything by Nickelback. Because they're trash and our beaches are polluted. Jerry hitting low but hitting high. What? Here comes the sunscreen. Do, 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 do. highway ah, way to shells. You get it? You see how you mash up beaches and songs and bands? It's fun, right? Seafood fighters. Boom. A band example. Clam. I wish I was your lover. And you get to hear me sing horrible. That's a bonus, right? A seahorse with no name. This sand is your sand. This sand is my sand. From the... anyway. Wave Matthews Band. Sand by me. Sand by me when you're not. Okay, sorry. Born to sun. I've been waiting for a girl like you. I got sand in low places. Walk like a crustacean. These are some amazing hashtag beachy songs and bands. And with any luck, some of the tunes I'm singing are sticking in your head. Steely tan all along the sand castle. The beach is back. Suns and roses. And our final hashtag beachy songs and bands. Gulls just want to have fun. That's what they really want. Okay. Oh, I can see your face. And I am embarrassed. Okay. Sorry for my singing. Hashtag beachy songs and bands. All retweeted at Jeff to show on Twitter. Go show them some Twitter love. Tweet your own hashtag beachy songs and bands. Tag us at Jeff Washington Show. I'll show you some love, and we'll go from there. All right. Well, that was fun. Some hilarious tweets. An amazing interview. A special call-in guest. Oh my god, this episode had everything. Ah. So I want to thank my special guest David Fishoff. I want to thank my special call-in guest Blanca Blanco, and of course, I want to thank all of you for coming back week after week. It means the world to me, and I'll see you next time.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Classic Conversations. If you like what you heard, don't be shy and give us a follow on your favorite podcast app. Also, why not go ahead and tell all your friends about the show? You strike us as the kind of person that people listen to. Thanks in advance for spreading the word, and we'll catch you next time on Classic Conversations.